Guys, yeah. I would rather slam my scrotum repeatedly in a car door than sit and watch The Greatest Showman. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. Welcome to the weekly Substandard Expanded Universe podcast. TWSSEU is the premier podcast for movie bracketology, Star Wars, and features unparalleled garbage opinions. You can easily find us on Twitter in the world-famous Megafred, where we in the past have been joined by cities such as Cincinnati and athletes such as Everson Griffin, whose head coach recently told him to go away and have his head examined, which <laughs> probably would wouldn't be a bad idea for some members of the SSEU. The TWSSEU podcast is released weekly on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and other places where you find podcasts. I'm not alone. Joining me from the ash bin of the United States, Austin, Texas, is our own Roger Ebert. Ryan, how are you, Ryan? I'm pretty good, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Have you ever wanted to know every little tidbit and trivia possible about the Minnesota Vikings? Are you curious about how miserable your life would turn out if you did? Luckily for (laughs) us, Chris is here and can speak from experience on how miserable Vikings fandom makes you. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing well. The Vikings had a win on Sunday and uh, things are looking up. More importantly, how's Everson Griffin doing? Uh, That's not clear. He is not with the team right now. He is hopefully getting the help that he needs, and uh, let's leave it at that. Chris, um, I believe that you have been in contact with our lawyers? That's right. Well, you know, I've been wanting to give both of you guys a a contract update with uh, the Weekly Standard, and I figured doing it on the podcast makes as much sense as anything. Right, so So are we we signed yet? Is it it getting closer? I think we're getting close. What that buddy... I got a chance to talk to Steve Hayes on the phone today, and right. I took the same approach with him that I took with Mark Zuckerberg when we were trying to get a Facebook page. I told him, just like I told Mark, and Mark and I, we're on a first-name basis now. I told him, oh. <laughs> I said, we're not going to take no for an answer. And eventually I talked Mark into giving us a Facebook page, right. guys, and he gave it to us for free. Right, and so what have you managed to talk Stephen Hayes into? Listen, I'm the best negotiator. I... <laughs> Ghost wrote the art of the deal, basically, do, like I would have if do you I get, would have not you, been, you know, twelve when that came out. Do you get the best deals? I get the best deals. Do you hire the best I people? I have all the best negotiating tactics. Okay, but I'm getting a, a, off topic here. Shut up, guys. Shut up. Shut up. Let's get back to the contract negotiations. See, part of the problem is is that we are going through Rick, and you know, one of the things with with negotiations, you need to go right to the person. Uh, our lawyer, Rick, uh, I just uh-huh. went right to the source. Man to man. Yep, yep. Mono, e mono. And I said, Steve, we want to be part of the team, and I'm not taking no for an answer. And, you know, he, he did that thing where he pretended like he didn't know who he were. You know, I can see through all that. It's all part of the negotiations. He's just trying to, you know, he's trying to act like he doesn't know who we are and saying stuff like, who are you? Who gave you this number? I saw through all of that, and I was like, listen. We want to be a part of the Weekly Standard family. We want in, or we are going over your head, straight to your parent company. Mm-hmm. So he laughed, and he said, good luck, and he hung up on me. Um, 
What? Well, actually, before we hung up, he said we couldn't even get them to get us a new fridge when the office fridge went out. <laughs> he said that everyone brings their lunches in just comically large coolers now to keep them cold. And then he hung up. That, I'm excited, though. I feel like this set the stage for the next step of negotiations. Wait, which is what? Uh, well, I'm going to ask. No, I'm going to demand they hire their caricature artists to draw little caricatures of us so that we can use those as our Twitter avatar. That's what I'm asking for in addition to all the monies. All right, so we, we're you, going to get Ramirez to, to draw, draw us. Is that his name? Yes. That guy. We're going to get Ramirez. <laughs> I'm and confident you, of it. You even told him about my website idea that was you know that now is the time to strike on this the iron is really hot for these websites the yeah the rival to ancestry.com ancestry.com <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah I, I did not tell him that but I, I i we gotta save something for the next round yeah okay. I, I i don't see why he's not on board already though I, I it doesn't make sense to me uh it's all just tactics he's just trying to get us to sign for a lower price this whole, we don't know who you are, how'd you get this number stuff. Uh, I, but I feel like like this is just the necessary stage to get to where we want to be, to get Ramirez. So it sounds like contract negotiations are going moving forward uh, apace and that we should expect a deal soon? I think so. Um, uh, Ryan... I, I mean, I, I saved our, our big trump card. I mean, I, I didn't threaten to go to Ricochet, so... Uh, we've got that for the next round. They let Jack Butler on the Ricochet super feed. That's that's a joke. It, is Jack Butler on the Ricochet feed? Yes. That's His ridiculous. podcast, Young Americans. I just saw it pop up today on the super feed. I didn't even know. He, I mean, he's apparently been doing it since June, but uh, I guess he took a break. And then he just released uh, like his eighth episode after like a three-month break. And... It, it's on the super feed, the so, Ricochet super feed now. So, Young Americans, is this is this Jack Butler, uh, Kirk, Candace Owen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's th- all three of them, yeah. So, Ryan, uh, I believe that the reviews and the ratings have been dropping in on iTunes. Yeah, it looks like we're up to 27 ratings now. Uh, so. Can you count them? All right. So, here's the first rating... That came in. I can't count the ratings because it doesn't show me how many people did the rating. That's just unfortunate. If I could just count, like every time somebody just put in five stars, then I would how, count that. How but. how many out of these twenty seven? How many have put in a five star rating? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. But let's count. Let's count how many of the twenty seven that have put five star ratings actually did reviews. So we got one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. This is getting exciting. That is an impressive number of reviews. Well, are we gonna uh, are we gonna read some of these? We we yes. could. Do, do you guys? So uh, I think that we should read. Um, a couple every episode uh, until we run out of reviews, if we ever do. So, do you guys have any favorite reviews? My, uh, I have a definite favorite. Uh, this one comes from Frosty1133. Okay. Uh, the the title is Cute Accent, which, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Um, and then there's <laughs> another comment apart from that that says, 
I think Thomas should try Grinder. The cute accent goes over big there. So I guess he thinks you have a cute accent too. So congrats cute. on the cute accent. Thank you, thank you. Congratulations on your cute accent. Okay, Ryan, do you also have a favorite uh, review here? Well, I think they're all my favorites. Uh, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with one from some idiot named Jcoop22. That's not even <laughs> a real name. I don't know what was wrong with his parents. Who names their kid Jcoop22? Sounds like a stripper. <sighs> totally unnecessary. I think he is. Or... You know, who, I'm not going to assume. Totally unnecessary. Puts more people to sleep than calm.com. Listen for the terrible opinions. Stay for the <laughs> Danish host's annoying accent. <coughs> actually, by the end of that, I actually liked him. So <laughs> I like this Jcoop22, whoever this is. I take it all back. So, uh, <laughs> Ryan, do you have a story for us today? Yeah. Um, the other night, I was making dinner. The boys were my boys were sitting uh, at the table. They were supposed to be doing their homework, but uh, they were just you know fighting or talking to each other. I saw that Jack, who is seven, and Rhett, who is almost about to turn six, were playing rock paper scissors, but a form of rock paper scissors that I've never seen before. And the way they were playing it was rather interesting. So they would uh, they would tur- turn and face each other, and they would say rock paper scissors everything shoot (laughs) and then they would pause after they said shoot even though you're supposed to shoot and they would because and i'm assuming it's because because of the added everything in there so then uh they would pause and jack would always put something out first like Rhett and Rhett, who is the younger one Rhett is the younger one Rhett every single time would wait until after Jack, you know, <laughs> said what he was going to say. So Jack would say, uh, rock, paper, scissors, everything, shoot, uh, ice. And then <laughs> like three seconds later, Rhett would go, fire, fire to beat <laughs> ice. And Jack, he's just, you know, he, he doesn't even see what Rhett's doing. He's just like, oh, okay. And so they do again. And they go, rock, paper, scissors, everything, shoot. And Jack says, volcano. And then Rhett goes, uh, God. God beats everything. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, Jack is a little innocent. And Rhett, uh, I think I'm going to, I think he's going to get himself into some trouble down the line. It sounds like the younger one might be the, the smarter. So last Tuesday, Hotel Transylvania 3 came out. And watching it many, many times with my children <laughs> uh, since last Tuesday... Because uh, if you're a good parent, you realize that if you turn the sound off and turn the subtitles on, <laughs> that it's basically reading practice. Uh, so anyway, we, Hotel Transylvania has been playing a lot at our Apparently house. Apparently I'm not a good parent. <laughs> and uh, it's so bad, guys. It is it is so bad. So I, I wanted to give you a review of it. Um, just kind of in contrast to the fact that Disney and Pixar make making good movies good animated films so easy that even their bottom third is better than the the cream of the crop for sony or dreamworks so 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 who who made this one this is sony animation okay this one is star-studded so it's got adam sandler andy samberg selena gomez kevin james david spade steve buscemi 
Keegan-Michael Key, Molly Shannon, Fran Drescher, and, uh, Mel Brooks, Catherine Hahn, Jim Gaffigan. Fran Drescher so, I mean, is still alive? <laughs> I am really hoping this will be the jolt that Fran Drescher's comeback needs. <laughs> so, oh, so you're saying we need more Fran Drescher. We need more Fran Drescher. Uh, and you'd think that, you know... Basically, their approach is the more famous people you put in a movie, the, it, it must be good. So just a brief review of it. So Adam Sandler plays Dracula. He is lonely and he wants to date. So he's he's a widow, widower. Uh, his wife died like, I don't know, 150 years ago because, you know, he's immortal. He's raised a daughter. He's a grandkid now. And he's feeling lonely. And the Invisible Man, played by David Spade, tells him that he can use his phone to meet people. And there's a scene that's supposed to be funny where uh, Dracula is talking to his phone using Siri, except it's not Siri. It's, I'm sure it's like some monster, like pun version of it. Uh, and it's supposed to be funny because like the Siri doesn't understand him. And and he finally gets to the monster version of, of Tinder or Grindr. Uh, it's called Zinger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's swiping left or right or whichever. And there's some old person humor where there's a match made with a witch and it instantly calls her. And he's like, what's this happen? Like, why is it suddenly I'm doing a photo call or a video call? And there's this witch and her cats. And then his daughter walks in on him while he's FaceTiming with, this witch catches him and it's supposed to be funny and it's and it's not none of it works <laughs> and she's like oh you seem stressed out i know what you need you need a vacation and so the way that they get to their vacation is they fly on a, they get on a plane flown by gremlin airlines which is a reference that i'm sure everybody in the target demographic will understand i'm sure every five-year-old knows about the movie gremlins and knows exactly what that entails and there's like gremlin airlines the funny thing about it is that like and i'm putting doing air quotes can you guys see that the funny yep. thing about it is that these gremlins are doing, like, all these violent things to the passengers. Like, they're dumping hot coffee on this mummy, and and it's just chaos on the plane. Um, so why would anyone fly with Gremlins Airlines? Exactly. I, it doesn't make sense. There's all these monsters on there, except uh, his daughter's husband is actually human, and... He survives the things that humans shouldn't survive. One of the pilots says something to the effect of, we are now starting our descent, at which point a gremlin gets out and hammers the engine until it blows up in his face, and then the plane falls straight out of the sky this, into the ocean. This just sounds like a bad business model. <laughs> it sounds like a terrible <laughs> business model. So, like, it's in the ocean, and in the rapid descent, like, pieces of the of the, the, the shell of the plane is ripped off, and there's just... Basically, when they land, it's just fuselage, and it's just the shell of a plane, and that's funny because I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> so the destination they arrive at is well, you know how people are always laughing at plane crashes. Yeah, yeah, it's a very humorous thing, all the time. They arrive at the Bermuda Triangle, which is not actually a massive triangle of thousands of square right, miles. Right. Question, from question, down qu to question. Miami. Down to Puerto Rico. What? 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 Was this their destination? Their initial yeah, destination? Yeah, we're going to go on a cruise. Yeah, yeah. How I mean, did they it was, get it was there? Intentional when the gremlin hammered the thing and they went out of the sky. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, carry on. Yeah. So they arrive at the Bermuda Triangle, which is actually this dinky little triangle that they just like fall in. Uh, they find out they're going on a cruise, and Adam Sandler's like, "A cruise? It's just like a hotel on the water." <laughs> Because he runs a hotel, Hotel Transylvania, and he's like, "That's stupid. Why? Why are we doing this?" 
the captain comes out and apparently she's a hottie and she appears to be a gymnast because she like is does amazing superhuman things and sandler dracula zings with her and what z- what zing is basically what monsters do when it's love at first sight like he's in love with her and he basically stalks her the rest of the movie and it's funny because she's actually a van helsing and the rest of the movie she tries to kill him so he's stalking her she's trying to kill him and that's funny. So there are various monsters. There's this jello mold guy, which I don't remember that monster in the literature. So they've got ones like werewolves and like Steve Buscemi's a werewolf and and David Spade's the Invisible Man. Okay, I know those things. But there's this big jello thing that at one point in the movie pulls a piece of jello out and basically has a child. Like suddenly this <laughs> piece of jello he pulls off of himself is a child. And then he pulls other pieces off of himself and creates sunglasses for himself and his child. All right. So, so question. So, do your kids enjoy this movie? Oh, they love it. They've watched it um, more than once. The the point of all of this is that is that kids have horrible taste. <laughs> like they, they 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 don't know a good movie from a bad movie. I mean. It, for instance, my daughter thought that like she did not like Infinity War because it had a sad ending. I mean, but that's like that's the criteria. So the last, so the movie that came out this summer had a budget of eighty million, and at the box office, it made five hundred and seventeen million dollars. The budget was only only what eighty. That's it actually made. low for for that amount of stars and animation. Uh, and I mean, made five hundred million dollars. So kids love this stuff. The grandson, his name is Denisovich, which is sh- Dennis for short. Because it sounds Slavic and vampirish, I guess. He brings along this giant dog. So the dog like causes a stir in the beginning of the movie, uh, like rips up everything. Like literally, this dog is the size of an elephant, and he brings it along, and it works. It's because he's disguised because he's wearing a trench coat, and so his parents are like, "Oh, who's this person you met?" Because the dog has a trench coat on. Because that's the logic of it this Vic? universe. It was Vic. It was Vic <laughs> watching um, uh, Fifty Shades. Um, so the, the captain tries to poison Dracula, like, so he thinks they're on a date, she pulls out garlic sauce and is like, hey, look over there, and she puts this garlic sauce on guacamole, and then stuffs a bunch of guacamole in his face, he eats it, and she's like, oh, isn't that deadly, and he's like, nope, uh, and then, like, it turns out that it actually is bad for his body, but it gives him gas, it doesn't kill him, because... We know that flatulence is funny. Farting vampires. They're farting vampires. And Andy Samberg, her husband, is like, Aw, that was cute, honey. After she eats I didn't garlic. hear you mention Andy Samberg's name before this. He let himself be in this thing. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sure you're as bored as I am at this point. But let's get to the brilliant denouement. Um, old man Van Helsing, who everyone thought was dead, looks something like out of the movie Wild Wild West. He's just a head attached to a steam engine-like body. Don't ask. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So he appears, and he tells all the monsters that he has the ultimate weapon. And he holds it up, and he opens the thing, and inside is sheet music. So he's finally going to kill Dracula and all the monsters because he has the ultimate weapon, sheet music. So he puts the sheet music and he starts playing this like disco organ and suddenly this giant octopus comes like is entranced by the music and like starts flopping his tentacles around. It's like very close to killing everybody. And guess what happens? 
He kills everybody? No, you can't kill the main. You can't kill, you know, Dracula. Andy Samberg pulls out this, like, DJ setup that he always brings around with him. And he says, if there's one thing I hate, it's an evil DJ. We need positive energy. And I'm actually reading from the script here. Get ready for a DJ battle. We're going to use good music to defeat the evil music. And so he puts on good vibrations. Okay. And then suddenly the the octopus stops smashing things and like starts like dancing and not ki- not killing people. And then like the bad guy like ups the ante and plays super evil, even eviler music. And Andy Samberg's like, "Oh man, we gotta get something even better." So he finds "Don't Worry, Be Happy" and he plays that. And then suddenly the octopus is real chill. You'll never guess what happens next. M- more evil music. More evil music. That's right. And they're like, we got to get the most chill song ever that makes everybody happy. (laughs) Is the Macarena. (laughs) The movie ends with the Macarena playing, which shreds the evil music. Because the evil music, like, enjoys the Macarena so much that it starts dancing and and shreds so he can't play the evil music anymore. And then everybody's dancing the Macarena, including the giant octopus. They They all do the Macarena for a while. That's... The end. So, what is the what what is the what is the moral of the story? What what lesson are the kids supposed to walk away with? Um, chill music defeats bad music. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. so uh, no, it, it probably has something to do with love, like the fact that he loved her and can find happiness, even even a monster who's been a widower for 150 years can find love in a human being uh, who's trying to kill you. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> Ryan, I can't wait till you watch it. I, I don't even know. I don't think I can without probably I, I might throw my drink at the TV. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. All of this suggests to me that both of you and perhaps particularly Chris, just you have lost touch with uh, the youth of today and that you are not quite aware of what they're thinking and what they're doing or reading or watching or whatever it might be. So uh, I actually figured that I would I would quiz you Farting a few. vampires who listen to the Beach Boys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if not, connecting with the youth is, if that's because I don't appreciate this crap, then I'm fine with that. <laughs> But but so I, I figure that we we should uh, quiz you on on a few things that that the youth of today care about. Who uh, me me? Yeah, Chris and Ryan. Uh, I guess okay, so. Right. So both of you. So we can make it a competition. I have I have uh, five different questions here. Uh, they are all. So do we buzz in or what? Uh, you can just you know like shout out the answer uh, over okay. each other when uh, buzz if, in if with you your name okay. uh, buzz, buzz in, in by saying your name yeah that works so all of these questions are drawn from the harry potter universe oh my uh, god what and we are we are going to see what <laughs> i've what never seen a thing, one of these movies <laughs> i know there's a character named hermione vic uh, likes her yeah <laughs> all right so are you guys ready Sure. Yes. Okay. So the the first question. This is a, this is a really easy one. How many houses are there at Hogwarts? Four. Okay. That was that was Chris. He gets it right? wrong. He didn't buzz in. <laughs> uh, yes. There are. Is it is it four? Or yeah. Yeah. Four houses. Nice. Very nicely done. I don't even know what Hogwarts is. <laughs> There's Grufflepuff and Sniffendor and Frugglepuff, I guess. 
and uh, Clayton Kershaw. Hang on a second, guys. I am logging into my iTunes Connect account because I'm deleting the podcast. <laughs> Question two. What is the name of the death spell in Harry Potter? Ryan. Ryan? I don't know. <laughs> everything that... ends in everything ends in O, so it's like endo, finito. <laughs> Deddo. So I, yeah. I think you're speaking Italian right now, and not <laughs> none of those things are actually right. It is Avada Kedavra, or something like that. I'm not sure how to oh, say that. I like, it. my entire knowledge is based on Lego Batman movie, where <laughs> who's the bad guy in Harry Potter? I don't know. This should be a trivia question. Uh, uh, he, that, he's one of the bad guys in Batman. Right, Voldemort. And, and when Vic made a comment, uh, Erecto. What's the name of the magical village near Hogwarts? Uh, you need to bus in. You need to bus in before you answer. Buzz, Stockholm. <laughs> Is your name Buzz? <laughs> Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I don't. I don't want people associating my name it, with my voice. Okay. Neil Armstrong on last week, and we had Buzz Aldrin on this I week. I am okay with people thinking I'm Ryan or Jason Cooper. I, I'm I'm sorry, but that is also it is not Stockholm. Ryan, do you have a guess? Polio's Reach, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> that is also incorrect. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, I will give Did partial. Right? I will award partial credit, uh, half a point to Ryan. Uh, the correct answer is Hogsmeade. Who founded the House of Grivind- Gryffindor? Duh, Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan, do you have a guess? Blake Griffin, of the <laughs> formerly of the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> of the NBA. Formerly? Is he not there anymore? No, I thought he got traded. So, uh, Hang on, I'm going to have to look that up now. It, but, it always takes me a while to get used to the moves in the NBA. So both of you uh, uh, used the, the... Detroit the... Pistons, that's right! Sorry, go ahead. Wow, okay. Both of you receive half a point because you used the word Griffin. The correct answer is Godric Gryffindor. Uh, and we have we have one more one more question. Who's here. winning, Thomas? What's the score? It is, I, uh, I, Chris I has said it first. Chris has a point and a half, and Ryan, you have half a point. So theoretically, you've given me two half points. How can I only have oh, a half point? You have you have one point, I guess. Thank you. It's okay. So the last question is actually the deciding like one. You're taking this very seriously, Thomas. <laughs> What's on the line here? Uh, you haven't told us the stakes. Shame. <laughs> you you get to decide if the shame, shame is obviously. winning or losing. What are the names of Harry Potter's parents? Fred and Mary. Ryan, do you also have a guess? What are the names of Harry Potter's parents? Who would name their kid Harry? And if he gets it right, you know he's looking it up. I think he's taking too long. Uh, Does he have two dads? <laughs> no, no, just You're one. I'm laughing about that. That's not funny. We need an answer now. It's, it's 2018. You can't laugh at that kind of stuff. Uh, TikTok. Uh, Donald and Melania. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is close, but no cigar. The correct answer is James and Lily. So I guess that, that was my second guess. I, I guess that means uh, Chris won. Why is everything else in the movie named stupid, and then their names are? <laughs> James and Lily. <laughs> because they're muggles, dude. You you do realize that there were books before the movies came out, right? Either way. Yeah, but I didn't read those either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how the stakes are they're not they're not pride, they're shame. 
Yes. It's so there, there. It's not like you get the pride of winning. You get the shame of losing. It, it is the same strategy I, I use with my students. Uh, sticks, <laughs> sticks, not carrots. If you okay. would have had to answer all those questions off the top of your head, how many would you have got right, Thomas? I would have gotten three of them, I think. Did you read the books? Yes, all of them. Oh, okay. This is how much younger I am compared to you. Are you? Well, apparently. All right. When so. did the first Harry Potter movie come out? <laughs> Ryan, Ryan continues to insist that there aren't books. <laughs> He's just stick with just, just the movies. <laughs> All right. The first movie. We'll look at the first movie, not the books. Okay. When did the first movie come out? Can someone effort this? I'm, I'm efforting. You guys can talk while I look this up. We have silence while we look things up. Okay, I'm sorry. I looked up the books. The first book came out in 97. Okay, so that's what I meant. The books came out in the... 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2003, 2005, 2007. I mean, so I was like uh, probably a junior in high school when the books came out. So you're you're the target population. Are you saying that you I was a... reading John Grisham at that point in my life. <laughs> wow, that's okay. I read Tom Clancy and John Grisham. Instead of Harry Potter. So what should these I aren't, be reading? These aren't aimed at high schoolers. What, the They're Harry not? Potter books? Aren't these aimed at, like, middle school? I mean, so, Harry and and Ron Weasley and Herm, aren't, aren't don't they start out pretty young? Yeah, so I actually... I actually well, that's think, what I meant, that I was too old by the time they came out, and Thomas was saying I was the target audience. Right. Like, so, a, like, a tw- like they're, like, 11 years old or something. Like, isn't that kind of the target audience? Okay. And then as you grow yes, up, and every book the characters you read, grow up. It, you yeah. are... Um, the people in the book, you have to be the age of the characters in the book to appreciate them. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> they look I, I, I'm that's, pretty that's sure the books I like. I'm pretty sure that's the rule. Yeah. Uh, but no, but I do think I do think that's probably correct. That the Harry Potter books, uh, when you get later in the in the series, I think they're targeted at an older audience, like uh, the ones that had grown up reading them. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably true. I don't know. I remember some pretty I do young feel bad that I... What? I, you see some pretty young kids reading them. Uh, that's what I thought. I, I could be totally wrong. I, I mean, and that's why I think it's it's kind of so shameful that, like, people have re- reverence for these books into adulthood. And, like, that's all they talk about. And, like, every <laughs> contemporary political thing has an analog from the book. Uh, because, like, read another book, right? <clears throat> I mean, that's the, that's the issue. But, Don't but read I, any books, right? <laughs> Just only read books with people your age. That's right. that's so. So, Chris, how's the Bible working out for you? Well, not just Methuselah. There's <laughs> a lot of other characters. <laughs> no. So, so one one thing about the Harry Potter books, uh, and you can see this in the movies too, is that the later you get in the series or or the later movies, is that it actually does get darker. The 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 storylines and the so mood of the night. books. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I guess you have to read the books to find out, Ryan. Or watch the movies, whichever you prefer. No, like I was saying, I I really do feel kind of bad that I I keep being told, like, that they're really good and that... But I haven't gotten my kids interested in them because yeah. I, didn't I care fully about I fully plan to read them when my kids read them, and we'll do the whole thing. We'll read the books, we'll watch the movies, we'll maybe go to Universal Studios and like ride the train thing. I, Jonah is going to have to finish with. He wants to read. Um, he, he's asking to read the Federalist Papers now because <laughs> yeah. he's been listening to Hamilton. Plays like this video game Roblox, and 
<laughs> Apparently, you can um, you can pump your own music into the game that the other people playing have to listen to. And so I went in, and he was like playing Hamilton and playing the game, uh, playing Hamilton music while he was playing the game. And I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm making everybody I'm playing uh, listen to this." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay that's fantastic but seriously jonah like now wants to he wants to read he has to read jay cost's recent book <laughs> the price of greatness <laughs> which is about like the founders uh that that i read earlier this year and uh because he, he's all interested in it because he's been listening to hamilton so speaking of uh, other fantastical creatures uh in in harry potter world or uh, in the Federalist Papers, uh, recently uh, a movie about another fictional event came out when First Man hit theaters uh, starring... What did you just say about America? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's about Kubrick staging the filming of the first moon landing in a Hollywood studio, right? Yeah. Are you serious? That's what Isn't, they did? Well, I, thought that, oh, I didn't... You guess. guys saw the movie. Is that what they did in the movie? Uh, no, I mean, they didn't show the film crew, but I mean, I'm guessing that they did a pretty good job of hiding it if that's what they did. This is my mistake. I, I thought it was the behind the scenes at the studio, but you're saying they actually made it look like it was a moon landing? I think they were trying to give us the feel of what everybody else thought at the time. Oh, okay. I got like you. Everybody thought that they really did it, so they're, that's the way Chavalier shot the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I saw the movie. Uh, Ryan saw the movie. Uh, did someone else see the movie? I did not, um, and I don't think Gene did either. <laughs> okay. So Ryan, how do you think they pulled it off? Why don't you just get to it? You told me that you had some problems with it. You know that I liked it. You know that I thought it was really good. Honestly, the first the scene from the movie could have ended after the Gemini um, series because, like. The liftoff of that, the way he puts you, like you were inside the rocket. Like the only thing that I can compare it to in seeing a movie was like when I saw Saving Private Ryan when they were landing on the beach. But like the inverse of that, where Saving Private Ryan, you just like had a sick feeling in your stomach. But this was more like, you know, joyous. So it was the inverse of that scene. Uh, and to me, the movie could have ended there. But it was a I, joyous explosion. Nice job. Good. Thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, but and I and I liked there was, you know, a competing storyline throughout that I really liked. I really liked the way he handled it. I liked the way the scenes were shot when uh, Neil Armstrong was away from home and he uh, shot his wife and son in the house as if like, you know, you were just. Oh my gosh! Watching from the corner or something like that, or you know, watching from watching through the window. Um, I really, I really liked it. I was thinking about the violence of shooting your wife, <laughs> and then you're just talking about to you know a camera shot. I got you. No, he shoots his wife. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's it's a M Night Shyamalan actually That's directed this movie. <laughs> so so Thomas, you just <laughs> hated it because you hate America. Let me be clear about this. I, I don't hate the movie. So uh, let's start with... But you hate America. Let, let's start with what I like about the movie. I do like the way it is shot using the, the shaky cam. Uh, I do think that it is fairly intensive and that uh, it takes the perspective of following this, this man, in this case Neil Armstrong, portrayed by Ryan Gosling, who is striving to, to balance his 
uh, his life together with the ambition of being an astronaut and going to the moon and the challenges and the demands that that places upon someone. Uh, and I do like uh, the the scenes in space, the intensity of it. Uh, it makes you... So our friend, Prisoner Haiku, said that it makes you feel maybe slightly nauseous uh, at points. Makes you the feel... Word, the term is nauseated. Nauseated? <laughs> yes. Uh, and uncomfortable. Uh, and I believe I believe that's true. What what I wasn't convinced by uh, is Ryan Gosling's performance in the movie. You uh, son of a bitch! And I am not convinced by it because it doesn't match with. So I'm an I, I'm a little bit unsure about how to talk about this without giving too much away. At the end, <laughs> they make it to the moon. <laughs> they do make it to the moon and he has that famous line and the way that Gosling has portrayed Neil Armstrong throughout the movie does not strike me as a person who would utter those words upon setting foot on the moon at the end of the movie and there is there is a disconnect here which which I, I will admit it might be a minor disconnect and it might not really matter at all but it is there, and I'm not sure if Ryan Gosling's portrayal of Neil Armstrong uh, is accurate. Was it because he used a southern accent? <laughs> what didn't you like? The awkward silences? The long staring scenes? It doesn't strike me as a man that was contemplating the deep purpose of man and exactly why we're going to space and what it means to land on the moon. So you don't think that... Uh... So you're saying you don't think that that's accurate or you just don't think the way he played it was accurate? I feel like there's a there's a disconnect between what Neil Armstrong said when he set the foot on the moon and the portrayal uh, that Ryan Gosling gave of Neil Armstrong in First Man. I, I mean, I, I read an article where like the screenwriter spent a lot of time with the official biographer who wrote the book. I mean, but uh, he, he... I mean, it made it seem like they did a lot to really stick to the spirit of the book and accuracy so but i haven't read the book so i can't say whether they actually did it or not uh, i really did like claire foy's uh, performance uh, in in the movie yeah I, I thought that she did a she did a terrific job uh, and it is definitely a movie that i'm pretty sure i would recommend people to go see um ryan what do you make of the flag controversy uh i mean to at, Seeing it, it made sense why. First of all, it was there. The flag is on the moon. Uh, they they show that, but um, it made sense why they didn't show the scene of them planting, to, uh, seeing the movie. And I don't really want to give away that part of the movie, but it, it just wasn't the story that he was telling. And and <clears throat> that's echoed by everyone who's seen the movie. The thing though that that uh, gets me is that is the attitude that Ryan Gosling had. Uh, when he was, I don't know if it was interviewed or on a panel or whatever, when he was like, I don't see this as an American achievement. It's it's this world thing. Like, I feel like he single-handedly made this a controversy. And, of course, anyone who sees the movie is going to see that it's not a big deal because the flag is there. But Ryan Gosling's like basically like, this is, this is a, an achievement for humanity, not for America. And, which is just crazy. Like, in, in the context of the Cold War, of course, this, this was, a, it was a space race thing. It was us versus I, the Soviets. In, in his in his and that comment doesn't square at all with the movie if you see the movie it, yeah it, that's it just, that's what just, just my doesn't. understanding yeah so it's just crazy that 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 crazy Canadian actor imagine that crazy 
Canadian. Yeah, I don't know if like he had too. that that answer like prepared. That's that's what he you know had decided he was going to say, or if in just not wanting to give the real reason for why they didn't show that scene, he just came up with that on the spot and maybe what prompted you know, the question. Do you know? Uh, they were like, just, "Oh, we noticed you didn't have the fight planted." Yeah, basically okay. that's it. It's All just right. that people were talking about that there wasn't the scene of them planting the flag in the movie. So Which it's is a, a dumb question. Right, but like if, 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 you, it is, if you've seen the movie, it is a dumb question. But but it sounds like Ryan Gosling probably wasn't prepared for the question and was shooting from the hip when he answered. That's what I that that's what I think. I mean, it's possible that that's that he knew that was coming and he decided that's what he was going to say because you know he wanted to ruin the opening weekend. I don't know. <laughs> He's like. We don't really want to make that much money. One of uh, one of my takeaways from First Man <laughs> is that there was a contrast or a contradiction between uh, what they were trying to achieve and the means that they had to achieve it or the way in which they did. So when they are, for example, boarding uh, one of these rockets, one of these spacecrafts, and they are struggling to prepare for launch and they have to dig with very primitive means. I believe they are, they are using a paper clip or a screwdriver yeah. or something like that and they have to dig something out of the equipment to actually make it work. I think it's from the seatbelt or something yeah, like it that. Yeah, it was the buckle and it was like an O-ring had fallen inside the buckle and they had to get it out with uh, like a paper clip. Yeah. And so it's like, it's this amazing fact that they are down on earth using, <laughs> I don't know, hammers and screwdrivers and whatnot. And they are putting these vessels together and then they're sending them off to space and they are actually able to reach the moon, which is just an incredible achievement that I think is, is portrayed in the movie. Yeah, I, I think it is too. Um, cause I think, uh, you had to be a special kind of guy that, uh, sees that happen right in front of him and isn't like, wait a second, you just used a paperclip to pull that out of the seatbelt? No, we're done. We're not doing this. But they're just like, all right, Call it let's off. go. So, Ryan, do you have any other thoughts on First Man? I thought all of the performances were really good. Corey Stahl as Buzz Aldrin was uh, yes. just perfect. Uh, he was he was so good. Uh, he just, you know, that arrogant know-it-all that... Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. The the few minutes of screen time that he gets, he he completely steals the show during those. Yeah, uh, he he really does. Uh, Pablo Shriver, I always like him. He was really good as Tom Hanks. But <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh... Oh, and then Jason Clark, um, who played Ed White. Mm -hmm. uh, he had some really good scenes with Gosling when he was uh, apparently trying to get him to talk about his daughter. Chris, you didn't see First Man, but I understand that you have Ryan Gosling thoughts. Yeah, I did not get a chance to see First Man. However, I have been doing my homework, and in the last 24 hours, I watched two Ryan Gosling movies that I had not seen. Uh, I watched First, I watched The Nice Guys, which is fantastic. Yes. I thought he was really good in that, and in the pre-show... Uh, what do we call the pre-show? Foreplay. Foreplay. In 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 that, um, Thomas and I were discussing just how great a performance that Ryan Gosling had. We're not, not only we're not going on until you say it. Uh, in the foreplay, <laughs> it just sounds different when a priest says it. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> well, we were talking about how this is really his only comedic role, and he's really good at it. He is yeah. amazing. His he, I mean. Uh, 
Russell Crowe is good too, but he basically looks like the gladiator ate his, you know, like, like <laughs> another person. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like fat Russell Crowe. Um, <laughs> I don't know if like what he did to train for this movie. Cause like he's a tough guy with brass knuckles, but I think he just like sidled up to a buffet and went. Nuts. <laughs> uh, I think he just like went, about his life as Russell Crowe. Sports his training was <laughs> pretty much. But like Crowe was good. He was yeah. good. He was fine. But like Gosling was just brilliant and brilliantly funny. Just his comedic timing, everything about his performance was just fantastic. And it's interesting. So I, I put together a ranking that'll get you in just a little bit. But I was I was just amazed by his comedy chops because I think comedy is probably harder than than drama. I really do. Uh so the other movie I watched was what Mary Kate Newsom said was the best movie of 2017, Blade Runner 2049. I, I don't, I don't think she said. I think she said that it's the best movie of this century, even or really some something something absurd like that. But but well, do go we'll, on. We'll have to have her issue a correction if that's the case, or if that's not the case, or whatever. But uh, yeah, Blade Runner 2049 uh, again in foreplay. Um, I we discussed how how brilliant of a movie it is how visually stunning how ambitious uh how this is the the, this is the type of movie that hollywood needs to be doing more of uh yeah it had some existing ip but initial blade runner had had like a 14 million dollar box office so i mean it was a pretty it's become a cult classic but it's still a cult following that it's not a popular yeah and even though it was an existing ip they it changed enough about it and put enough like original ideas into it that it, it felt new and it, it really i i know when i saw the theater and i can't remember now what the runtime is but it is it, really long but i did not feel like it was too long i that's true the 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 scene of uh where he's just walking in in las vegas and it's just a wasteland i could have just watched that for a while because it put so much work Mm -hmm. into the detail of every scene It, it really looked amazing yeah and it's interesting though because i i don't think it's just us who opine that that hollywood does too many that it has sequelitis, that it does too many Star Wars and not enough Blade Runners. That's not just us. I think that's a common complaint. Like, do something original, do something different, do something interesting, do something ambitious. But then people don't go out and see it. They don't have the stomach for it, which is, you know, it's 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 frustrating. That like it's cool that a studio d- dedicated this much of a budget for something really mm-hmm. interesting and put money into visuals like this. It's it's, uh, and that's why I think all of us are probably forgiving of of bad movies if they have ambition in them like if they try yeah, to be great for sure yeah but but so do you guys think so do, i believe there was a discussion or a mention on the substandard about whether this movie is accessible or inaccessible for the movie going public in general yeah sunny mentioned i actually just listened to that episode today because the substandard episode on blade runner 2049 because i'd been saving it because they were like yeah there's major spoilers <laughs> so i actually had it paused at that po- at that moment yeah sunny said that it was very accessible and everyone kind of agreed I agree, I think, to a lesser degree. Like, yeah, it's accessible, but it is long. And, I mean, it it does the science fiction thing of science fiction music and these, you know, wide shots, uh, which I love and it is beautiful. I just wonder if your average moviegoer would be like, oh, I appreciate this. Yeah, I'm not quite as optimistic as Sonny was. As as the average 
about the average moviegoer. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I just know people who just you know didn't care for it. I don't, like, they just did, did nothing for them. Yeah, didn't finish it. Uh, like once it became available to rent, we're just ah, yeah, it was fine. I believe yeah. I believe I have watched it two or three times since it came out on streaming on HBO. It's, it it's it's it just gets better with each viewing. I I'm I'm really a fan of this movie. And, and how great is Dave Bautista? Oh, he's fantastic! Beginning. Like, when did he just become a really good actor? I have, I have no idea. That's crazy how good uh, he was at that. And it's still only the second best movie of uh, last year. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, well, well, uh, did you have uh, a Ryan? I want to ask you: uh, okay. Have you seen The Nice Guys multiple times? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, it's been uh, a while since the last time I saw it, but. How is that uh, on multiple viewings? Is it as funny on multiple viewings? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I bought it. on Once it was available on Amazon, I bought it because uh, we saw it in the theater and, and we loved it. And then I bought it when it came out on Amazon. And I think I've watched it, you know, probably twice. I wanted to, once you told me you were watching, I wanted to watch it again, but I just didn't have time to. I probably will sometime this week. But yeah, I, 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 I think it's funny every time i watch it ryan gosling's physical comedy is so funny and then the the elevator scene when they're <laughs> i can't remember the whole plot but when they're going up and and the door just opens and then they just let it close and they just <laughs> the looks on their faces are just oh it's great yeah, yeah. It, it, it's for me it's it's like instant classic status yeah, I could see myself watching this movie again and again and again. So that's that, that's why I asked. So th- this is all leading up to to my ranking of uh, of R- the Ryan Gosling performances. R- so are you? Now, so you're ranking performances and not performances, the movies themselves. Not the movies, yeah. Because well, I, I feel like it's the performances of of, of Ryan that that's important. So uh, the number one, I, I just think, is the nice guys. Like if if you haven't seen it, that may make no sense. You but are you, I mean, you are putting nice guys at number one. Absolutely, his he does such a fine job in that. I am just amazed. I, I'm amazed. Like he needs to be a comedic actor. Like he needs to do more comedies. He is great. Well, have you not seen? Crazy Stupid Love? Isn't he just a heartthrob? In yes, I've seen it, but it was years ago. I don't remember him being particularly funny in it. No, he's really funny in it. Is he? Yeah, him and Steve Carell going back and forth. Yeah, no, he's he's really really funny in that movie. That movie is really funny. Okay. okay, Ryan, you'll get to talk when you do your ranking. Chris, continue. <laughs> so, so the second performance was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. And the only reason that I have that second is in, in a dramatic performance, you just don't have as much range as he had in The Nice Guys. That, like, he's he's this replicant who's... He, he only does so much in it. Um, number three, I have Crazy Stupid Love. And I want to come back to a review of that really quick. Uh, number four, I have Blue Valentine, which is one of the most depressing movies you'll ever see. Like you can kind of appreciate what they're doing and it's kind of, kind of smart and interesting what they're doing, but it's like not a good movie. It's like so depressing. And then I've got the notebook and then number six, I've got Lars and the real girl, which did not work for me. And so anyway, I want to, I want to read you one of my seminary professors review of crazy, stupid love. Okay. Rarely does a movie so obliterate the basic principles guiding healthy human relationships. How can we maximize our selfishness in the name of love? How can we justify adultery, womanizing, emotional manipulation, and pedophilia? 
<laughs> Crazy Stupid Love offers a formula pulled for the modern equivalent of a medieval dungeon. One part soulmate mythology, two parts self-actualization, one part pro-business motivation philosophy, one part preternaturally gifted children who offer sage advice, three parts orgasm turned religion. For what it's worth, my wife and I have maintained a happy marriage for the past decade by doing the very opposite of everything promoted <laughs> in this film. Uh, Ryan, do you have... Uh, do you have a Gosling ranking? I do. I struggled with mine because as I looked over his IMDb page, I realized that I've seen every single movie that he's either starred or co-starred in. And um, I like a lot of them, so that kind of made it difficult. Plus, I kept going back and forth on whether to rank his performance or rank the movies. I kind of went with just the movies that I like the most because in most of these, he's the main part of it anyway. Um, I had Blade Runner 2049 uh, as number one just because I, I just I love that movie so much. I just couldn't put it uh, anywhere but number one. I have Nice Guys as number two um, for all the stuff that we've already talked about. I have Drive as number three. Mm. Uh, that's, uh, I remember when uh, that came out and when we saw it and it just just felt like something I really hadn't seen before, and I think his performance in that was great. I have First Man as number four, which I liked a lot. I enjoyed his performance in that. Um, I have The Place Beyond the Pines as number five. I have La La Land as number six, and I really liked La La Land. I haven't seen it since we saw it in the theater, but it was honestly one of the most enjoyable experiences as a movie theater that I'd had in a while. I have Big The Big Short as number seven. I have Half Nelson as number eight. I think that's the first movie he starred in where he plays, I think it's like a high school teacher who has like a drug habit or something like that. I probably should have looked that up. I have Crazy Stupid Love number nine, which again, I really liked. That is really far down. I just, I liked all those other movies more. I, I mean, his performance in that one might be better than A Place Beyond the Pines probably is especially since he's only in the first half of it spoiler i have blue valentine number 10 and i agree with what chris said about blue valentine and i, I didn't go past that so i left the notebook off and uh the ides of march the ides of march yeah and i mean i like I, I think i've seen the ides of march more than once and i liked it but he's not the, i mean that's more of a Clooney movie than gosling anyway yep so, um, after the the two definite Gosling rankings, can, can there be, be two definite rankings? I'm not sure. Uh, I have uh, I have a movie quote uh, that I would like to read that that I that I've found. Go for it. Right. So, <clears throat> let's see if I can get into character. <laughs> Stacy, you better believe I like my pie warmed up. Tiger Woods in the little known documentary, Domination and Pie. Tiger in the Perkins years. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was uh, actually caught by Flag Taylor uh, and he uh, nice. graciously uh, sent it in to us. Uh, and Thank I, you, Flag. Yeah. Uh, turned into Tiger Woods in that one. <laughs> uh, Chris, uh, did you also have a movie quote? No. I do not. No. Uh, Ryan, you have a movie quote. Yeah, I do. Um... Hang on a second, because I gotta read it. I know what you're thinking. Did he bring five mules, or did he bring six? <laughs> and if it was six, where's the other mule? Well, 
punk. Actually, <laughs> it was sick. I don't. I don't know why I'm being a dick about this. Uh, I brought six guys. Uh, the other one, he's in the bathroom getting the rest of your product. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, the <laughs> mule. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I believe that is uh, all the time we are giving to this episode. If you liked what you heard here, please give us a review uh, on iTunes. Uh, if you didn't like what you heard here, uh, forget I mentioned the reviews at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember uh, to participate in the ongoing SSEU film bracket where we are trying to crown the best film of the 21st century. Uh, we will see you again, listen, hear you again, we will be here again next week. <laughs> That's all for us. Thank you. Subscribe, uh, tell your friends, leave a review. Opening theme music by David Schwartz. Opening voiceover by Tim Lewis. Thanks, Tim, you velvety-voiced old so-and-so. Cover art design by Nick Chu, at the Nick A. Chu on Twitter. Thanks to Patrick Kinney for buying us the premium version of Evernote. Evernote. The only way you should ever note. And a very special thank you to our Nanos benefactor, who generously sent us some beautiful new microphones. And all he asked for in return was a recording of Thomas reading a set of phrases. Don't know what those phrases were, but Thomas was gently sobbing afterwards. Chin up, friend. And listen to the weekly substander, or else. That's all until next time, you bunch of bad people. Nailed it. After um, JVL started to talk about The Greatest Showman, I actually went and uh, and I watched it. No, and, really? And I am, I'm going to put this out there. Uh, the Greatest Showman, Greater Sign, La La Land. And in my mind, it's not even close. Uh, I actually, oh. I, I watched The Greatest Showman and I was like, no, I... Am I the only one who thinks this? Am I just wrong? So I went online and I decided to Google this. Uh, and I'm not alone. Uh, I'm, there are dozens of us uh, who actually... And the reason is fairly simple. So, so The Greatest Showman is, yes, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very cheesy movie, movie slash musical. Uh, it has a bunch of um, show numbers and a bunch of, of songs and everything like that. And a bun- uh, uh, but what it does better than La La Land is that the songs are much more interwoven into the plot. So uh, the the cooperation uh, or collaboration between Carlisle and Barnum in The Greatest Showman would not have happened without the song. Like that entire conversation and everything that happens after that in the relationship is established through the song. And there are other songs like this throughout the movie and they are also really really catchy uh and so i know they have sing-alongs for that so for the greatest showman yeah they're they have like they are probably not anymore but towards the end of its um run in the theater Uh they had they had screenings that were where you they put the words up Uh yeah and and people would Uh sing along with it now is it like moulin rouge where it's like popular songs or is it original music it's it's original music it is uh my understanding is that it is written uh by the same people who wrote the music for la la land 
Uh, it's yeah. just that they did. I think they did a better job with this. But but so I would say that La La Land is a better film. It is it is a better movie. But as a musical, I think that The Greatest Showman has it beat. I haven't seen it, but I've been hearing like when it came out, it seemed like everybody was trashing it. But then uh, the longer it's been out, I've been hearing more and more people say how good it is. Yeah, like I had I had a really negative like when i turned it on after uh, jvl mentioned i'm still not sure if he's trolling or not uh, but i figured that i would give it a shot and i watched it and i surprisingly i enjoyed it so i i I guess i'm a degraded showman convert i i can't believe like i'm watching this movie and i I just can't believe that that this made it out of the cutting room (laughs) like oh here's the it's so stupid. Yeah, and then it makes a shit ton of money, and they make two sequels. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. And each so we, split, we split hairs about like which Disney movie is better between this and this, like really well conceived story. Yeah, with <laughs> and then here we have a movie and, where yeah, where the bad guy discovers music and plays it, and this <laughs> giant octopus comes out of the ocean. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, and each each movie in this in this series has made more money, and they all cost the same to make. That like, pissed me off that I can't remember any of the other because I looked up the other Sony animation. Adam Sandler can just put out what I mean. It he, doesn't matter what he puts out; people and, love it. Yeah, I mean, he puts out all those Netflix movies. He's I think done four or five of them now, and they're all terrible. And but he just they just let him keep making them. You you know what was a Sony production, uh, the Emoji movie. 